This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Throws Wilson under pressure, buying time, scrambles out of the pocket, and he'll run. Tucks it under at the 40, lowers his shoulder, and dives out close to midfield. And he's a little slow to get up, getting up with a little bit of a limp. And now can't imagine Zach Wilson's going to stay in this football game. No, he just gave the sign for somebody to come in. He was down on the turf now, laying at the 40-yard line. Now back to Dan Grassa on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two on this Monday, this maiden voyage of the Dan Grassa Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. And you heard the call from Friday night right here on 98.7. Bob Shoes and Marty Lyons. From Lincoln Financial Field, Zach Wilson probably should have ran out of bounds, right? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's a preseason game. What do you hope to accomplish? You know, are the few extra yards really going to do anything for you in the grand scheme of things? And unfortunately, what it did for him, even though that wasn't his intent, it bought him a flight out to Los Angeles and a trip tomorrow and a date tomorrow with Dr. Neil Elatrash who is going to perform arthroscopic surgery on his right knee. Timetable to be determined as to how much time he is going to miss as Carlos Carrasco just gives up back-to-back home runs to the Atlanta Braves, William Contreras, and Eddie Rosario. So 2 nothing Bravos, but I digress. Greg Buttle and I are sitting there on Friday watching the game in the studio. And as soon as he goes down, we both kind of looked at each other, and it was like, that seemed odd. That didn't seem natural. And then he gets up, and then Greg, you know, who's a veteran of the NFL world and who experienced knee injuries in his career and knows exactly what they feel like and how the bad ones are supposed to feel. And when they showed the replay of him standing up and then he's trying to put weight on it, and then all of a sudden he crumbles down into a heap again and you know, he lived that life. You know, he had a bad knee injury once, and right there and then he said, boy, that, that's, that's not good. And it's not that it's all bad, but it's not what you want either. As we echo Joe Girardi, did they dodge a bullet? Yeah. Did they avoid the worst-case scenario? Yeah. But as they've been saying, until he goes under the knife tomorrow and the doctor gets in there and really sees just how much damage was done to that meniscus, the bone, so on and so forth, we don't know. But if you just want to say, best case scenario, perfect world, if it's going to be four weeks for Zach Wilson, you take it. Right? You take it. Four weeks, a month, from surgery, that's September the 16th. That takes you out for the first game of the season. I know the Jets aren't going to do this, and why should they? Because gamesmanship, right? You always, you always want to keep the opponent guessing regardless. But where I'm sitting right now, does it make any sense for Zach Wilson to play in that opener against the Ravens? And I don't think he's going to be able to either. Not that I know anything. I haven't been told anything. But plainly speaking, I just don't see it to be feasible. So in all probability, you're looking at Joe Flacco against his old team week one at MetLife Stadium against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. That's a tough out regardless of who the quarterback is. Whether it was going to be Zach, whether it was going to be Joe, whether it was going to be Mike White, whether it was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever the hell it was going to be. Ravens are a tough team. That is a hard ask to open the season. And I don't have to tell you the challenge that faces the Jets the first four weeks out of the gate where you play the AFC North, right? Baltimore to open, then you go to Cleveland where it looks like you're going to be playing Jacoby Brissett. You get a little bit of a break there because Deshaun Watson suspended. 
Then you got Cincinnati coming back home. And you know that Cincinnati's going to be out for blood because on that field just last year on Halloween, Mike White embarrassed the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that ended up going to the Super Bowl. So you know that Cincinnati wants some revenge. And then you got to go to Pittsburgh in week four, which is never easy to play at, where the Jets really never have any great success. And if one preseason game is any sort of an indication, I mean, Kenny Pickett, they're going to retire his number, I think, Thursday is, is when the day they scheduled his number retirement for. But by the time you get to week four, Kenny Pickett might be the Steelers quarterback. Remember, Mitchell Trubisky probably be the guy to open the season, but he stinks. He's not the long-term answer, and I don't, I don't think he's holding that job long anyways. Pickett might be the guy by the fourth game of the season because he just might be better than Trubisky. We know what Trubisky is. He's a stopgap. He's a placeholder. They drafted Pickett in the first round because they think he is the answer, that he is the solution for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the next great franchise quarterback. Will he be? Who knows? But things got a little bit trickier for the Jets because now this is two years in a row that the franchise quarterback has some issues already with staying healthy. Last year, he missed a month because of a knee injury. This year, he's probably not going to be ready to start the season because, you guessed it, same knee, a little bit of a different injury. And there were some concerns about him coming out of BYU into the draft, right? Had a thumb injury in college. There was something else. I think it was a shoulder, which people kind of said, boy, you know, is that, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy. And I guess we could put to rest all the talk during the offseason about how he put all this weight on and he's stronger and, you know, Robert Sala was laughing and calling him beefy. That's great. You know, there wasn't enough beef on that knee the other night. We know that because the turf didn't care how much beef was on the knee. So what do you do if you're the Jets? Almost immediately. And by by the way, let me say this too, if I may. All the Twitter doctors... All the Twitter medical experts, and I'm counting guys who are licensed medical professionals. You know who you are. Guys who tweet out constantly about NFL injuries and so on and so forth, who are, you know, Dr. David Chow, who had Zach Wilson basically out for the year. Oh, I just watching the video, that's an ACL if I've ever seen one. Oh, that doesn't look good. Well, it wasn't an ACL, Doc. But everybody already had the Jets. Oh, they should be on the phone already with the – and this is, you know, the people that cover the league religiously. Oh, they should be on the phone with the 49ers. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Bring him in here. There's no way you could win with Joe Flacco. I mean, you might as well go get the guy from San Francisco. Like, what are we doing? Let the process play itself out. So now it's not catastrophic. It's not a season ender. Your guy is still going to be here at some point. Don't know when, but he'll be here. There's no point in them going to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I was, you know, when I was talking with Don and Peter at the end of the K show when I hopped on, and, you know, Don brought up the point, you know, like if there were like four and five or something like that, what do you do? You don't want to see Joe. Yeah, no Jet fan wants to see Joe Flacco play 17 games this year. The Jets don't want, guess what? The Jets don't want to see Joe Flacco play 17 games this year. He's there as an emergency backup. Maybe he plays a game or two, but he's not the full answer. You know that. They could say all the nice things in the world about him, that he's a professional, that he's a veteran, that he's a Super Bowl MVP. That's great. Joe Namath was a Super Bowl MVP too, but would you want him playing 17 games for you at quarterback this year? I wouldn't. Joe Montana? No thanks, I'll pass. Not at this point in their careers, just like Joe Flacco. This season, 
everything we talked about all offseason long, into the draft, after the draft, minicamp, OTAs, Jets are improved on paper. Joe Douglas and company went out there and upgraded the personnel. They had a great draft, on and on and on and on and on. But what did each and every sentence end with when you're talking about the Jets? It all comes down to the quarterback. If the quarterback doesn't get better, if the quarterback doesn't take that next step, then it's all for naught. And I still think that holds true. Now he's hurt. So now you're hoping to see progress. You're hoping to see a guy in his second year with a firmer grasp of the offense, with a firmer grasp of how to play quarterback in the NFL. The game is supposed to slow down. Not as much thinking out there. You just go out there and play. You can read and diagnose defenses a little bit better, know when to deliver the ball, not be so run happy like, oh, I look three seconds down the field. I don't see my first or second read. Let me tuck it under and run because... I don't know what else I'm going to see from this defense. All that stuff is supposed to go out by the wayside now, right? You should be more comfortable in the pocket. I'm just wondering, however much time he's scheduled to miss, is that going to impede his progress in any which way, right? That's what I'm a little concerned about. Look, Joe Flacco's got to play a couple of games. That's not the end of the world. If he's playing against Baltimore week one and then against Jacoby Brissett and Cleveland in week number two, guess what? Perfect. Perfect. You take that if you're the Jets. Because even with Zach Wilson, like I said, what's the best you're hoping for? Maybe uh, one, you know, one and one out of those two games? But we'll see what they find in that knee tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Light your candles. All that stuff. If it's only a four or five week injury, you take it. Otherwise, then we might have to explore option B or C, whatever that may be. What's the pulse of the Jet fan right now? Where's the concern level live for the Jet fan? Now with this latest hiccup for Zach Wilson, 800-919-3776. We'll hear for the guy who's going to take over from the take over the reins, at least temporarily, in Joe Flacco. We'll also get into some giant stuff, too, as we move on through the hour. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good news, bad news situation down in Atlanta. Bad news is the Mets are losing 3-0 to the Braves. In the bottom of the second inning, Mark Canna just completely overran what should have been an easy third out. He just lost it in the twilight. Uh, ball landed about 10 feet behind him. Harris was running hard on two outs, came around the bases and scored a run, which is what you want to see for a young player. And so the Braves got a 3-0 lead. What's the good news? Good news is sky's opened up and it's raining and the tarp is on the field. Maybe it'll keep raining until tomorrow. And they can get a pass on this game, which is certainly not started the way you want to, as Carlos Carrasco is having a rough go, but here, rough inning in the second with the Braves out to a 3 nothing lead. Yanks right now trailing Tampa 1-0 as uh, they go bottom four down there in the Bronx. And Itzhak Paredes single driving in the only run so far of the game. Keep you posted, of course, on both. We're talking a little NFL right now, Jets quarterback situation. Zach Wilson's having that surgery tomorrow in L.A., so right now, Joe Flacco's the guy. Jets had a game to play tomorrow. Flacco's your starting quarterback. Now, will he be the guy to get some playing time on Monday against the Falcons? Don't know. Uh, you know, the new theme of the preseason is nobody plays. No starters play really at all. 
which is, you know, frustrating for fans, but I see the logic in it. So Flacco talked to the media yesterday and was asked about the prospects of maybe just maybe starting opening day against his old team in the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, people are going to bring it up to me and, you know, you think about that. I've been in a bunch of games where guys have played their past teams and coaches have played their past teams, and usually the emotions uh, are definitely crazy. I mean, guys try to act like they're so cool during the week, and that doesn't mean anything, you know. So I, I know. I, I've probably thought about it a tiny bit. It's so far away, and you, we, who knows what's going to happen at this point. But I've definitely thought about that in a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be a big deal, and I'm, I'm going to know deep down, like, okay, it's, it's, it's not – you know, I'm going to try to make sure it's not the biggest deal in the world, but at the same time, it's, I've been through it enough. I've seen guys go through it. It's a different thing. I mean, we, Steve Smith played Carolina. Uh, I don't Maybe the first year he was in Baltimore. And, I mean, it's comical looking back on it that he kind of was trying to act like he was all cool about it. And he's already super emotional and, like, next level when it comes to, like, intense when it comes to game day. But I'll never forget that day. I mean, he was on, he was on another planet. And it worked out good for him. So, you know, you can probably go both ways. Now, what about being a guy who's 37 years old? Obviously, football's a young man's game. And, you know, once you get 30, in a lot of cases, they want to put you out to pasture if you're a professional athlete. So what is it like being one of the older guys and as the elder statesman? I don't view myself as being like, I don't view myself as an old person. But every now and then when they, th- these guys come up and they say something to you, you I'm like, oh, OK, you think I'm like 50 years old. huh? <laughs> I, I got it. That's why it's cool, though. That's why it's so like you're so fortunate to be able to be in the locker room and like in that environment is because it really does truly keep you young. And then not only that, but like you get to know guys and you get to develop relationships with people and then they see you different, you know, and then after after they get like they interact with me for a little bit. They're sitting at lunch and we're chopping it up. And all of a sudden they see me in a couple minutes. They might see me completely different than they did before they sat down at the table. So it's, it's really neat. I kind of like, I like being it. I like, I feel like I'm like a dad that like is easy to pick on. and They, they like laughing at me because of that. So I, I embrace it. 37 years old, you're an old person. That's, that's a scary thought. It really and truly is. All right. Look, I think you could do a lot worse than Joe Flacco for a couple of games. But for a full season, that's another conversation for another day. 800-919-3776. Ira Staten Island starts us off here. A little jet talk on 98.7 ESPN. Ira, how are you? Good evening, Dan, and uh, best of luck to you. Congratulations, and looking forward to listening to you at 7 o'clock. During the Thank week. you. I appreciate it, buddy. How's things? Everything's good. You know, wish the best for Wilson tomorrow. Hopefully, it'll be something minor. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. But, you know, you brought up a really good point. How much of a setback, whether he misses two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it might be, it, you know, it's going to kind of put a halt to the process that he, it's unfortunate because he was starting to gain momentum in camp. You know, things were slowing down for him. He was starting to make a little progress. You know, he's still, you know, he's still a learning curve, but that, that's a really good point you brought up. And as for Flacco, you know what? In, in my opinion, from watching this team, if I think they play up to the potential that I see, if this roster is healthy opening day, I expect them to be 2-0 and if Flacco's a quarterback. I think they could beat the Ravens, and I think they could beat Cleveland. And then if Wilson's ready at that point, they could have a big decision to make. And if he's not, they'll just ride it out, and we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, you could do a lot worse than having Joe Flacco on the center week one. 
A lot worse. I, I hear what you're saying, I, and I thanks for the phone call, kind words, and all those things. The problem is, though, I, I just think that Raven matchup is, is a tough one if Flacco's under center. You know, you think about Baltimore and the way they get after it defensively, and they got those guys blitzing from the edge and really trying to make life miserable for the quarterback. And you know what? That's the type of team when you're playing Baltimore that you want a quarterback who's a little bit fleet of foot if you know what I'm saying, who might need to escape the pocket. And, oh, by the way, think about what's happened in the Jets' offensive line. We haven't even talked about that yet. You know, you're going to have Dwayne Brown in one of the tackle positions. Dwayne Brown hasn't been in an off-season program for the last several months. You know, they're going to bring him back into this thing naturally, you know, little by – I mean, he'll be ready for opening day. But, you know, now you kick George Fant back out to the right tackle position. And, yeah, he played there last year – or, excuse me, he played there a couple of years ago. And, you know, a lot of times in his career – but he had prepared pretty much for the last year, year and a half, being the left tackle. And I remember talking to George last year about, okay, what is it like playing on the left side? Is it really difficult? Is it really a challenge? Is it all that different? And he said, yeah, it is. It's like trying to learn how to write differently with your other hand. It's not just as simple as, oh, you know, you're going to play on the other side. It's still football. No, there's other things technique-wise, you know, your, your stance, your tendencies, all that stuff. It's habitual. You have to learn how to then do it a certain way. It's almost like you have to rewire your brain. And Dwayne Brown, I mean, you know, they say he's in great shape. You know, that's one thing, to be in great shape. I'm in great shape. I like to consider myself in great shape. You know, I run, I stay active, I eat well. But am I in football shape? Like, if I had to line up tomorrow and play a full 60-minute football game, am I in good enough shape for that? It's one thing if I'm going out there and training by myself, but now to have to engage in, you know, 300-pound guys who are big and strong and physical, like, am I cut out to doing that for a full 60 minutes? You know, you really think the Jets are going to play Dwayne Brown in any of these preseason games? I, I don't think so. So his first live action, his live contact, you know, game speed might be in week one against the defense – that is not exactly a day at the beach to have to go up against in week one. That organization, that team has history. You know, they win for a reason each and every year. So maybe having a guy like Joe Flacco, who is essentially a pocket passer and he ain't a runner, that might not be the quarterback you want going up against that club to start the season. Let's say hi to Matt and Philly up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Matt, how are things? Dan, how are things with you? Congrats on the show, my man. This is big. It's huge. Matt, what's going on? Where were you on Friday night? We didn't hear from you. Oh, I was I was over the toilet, um, almost throwing up my dinner. I mean, oh, my God, Dan. <laughs> my, my heart rate has finally steadied because it sounds like two to four weeks, but my goodness, I was I was sad, I was disappointed, and then I started to get angry. Like you said before, why did he run out of bounds? I mean, it's a preseason game. Why are you trying to juke N'Kobe Dean in the open field in the second series of preseason? Ah, Dan. But, I love um, N'Kobe Dean, by the way. You know, didn't love him the fact that he's on an Eagle team and, you know, the, the enemy the other night, but I think N'Kobe Dean's going to be a nice football player. I know. I don't know why he drops, but I, um, you, you had me both. laughing. You had me laughing about those Twitter doctors. Um, that was cracking me up. And I do. I don't want to correct you on your show, but I, I am from Philly, and you mentioned that Lincoln Financial turf. It's actually um, Bermuda grass. So if it was turf, 
ACL would have been gone. I'm telling you right now. But, you know, we're, we're so lucky because, like you said, we have so much hype in this offseason, but it all ends up on Wilson's shoulders. And if he were to be out for the full year, it would have been a, another year of waiting and saying, what if? What if? And that's been killing us as Jet fans. But we Look, do. There's a lot, Matt, there's a, there's a lot of folks, right? There's a lot of folks who aren't buying into this team this year because they're not sold on the quarterback, right? And look, they're entitled to their opinion. And based on what you saw last year from a full body of work, you know what? They're entitled to think that. I I, I couldn't sit here and say that they're crazy for suggesting that. But that's why it was so important to get as many reps as possible, to continue to gel with all these new weapons that they have, get more familiarity with the offense, more repetitions, I'm just worried about whatever time he's going to miss here is possibly setting him back a bit. I, I completely agree with you, Dan. And, you know, Ira saying that we could beat the Ravens at Flacco, I, I, that cracks me up because we're forgetting about uh, Lamar Jackson coming into MetLife fresh, not taking a hit yet. He's going to tear us up. That's what we got to be worried about. But um, you're so right. You know, if Wilson couldn't get the reps, we're just pushing back the decision, is this guy the quarterback of the future? You know, I try to stay positive and say, yes, he is. You know, I like Joe Douglas. I'm hoping he's making the right moves. But some of the guys he's drafted, they're made of glass. You know, Mekhi Becton crushes me. And now his injury's kind of blown under the rug. We're not talking about it, but we had so much hype for him. You know, he had a week one, he goes down with a six-week injury. He didn't, he didn't lace him up for the rest of the year. So that's concerning. So I, I don't know what the answer is, Dan, but um, I'm trying to level my expectations for, for this year, hopefully win some divisional matchups. And I'm looking forward to this show. I'm really liking the, uh, the takes that you have. It's a little different in the fifth quarter. You're, you're, letting, it, you're letting it go here. So you're, different you're different environment, Matt. Absolutely, baby. Thank you for the phone call. We look forward to catching up with you. Matt, big Jet fan, of course, calls the postgame shows each and every Sunday, the Greg and myself after a Jet game. And look, the Becton situation, I, I, I wish I could look into a crystal ball and tell you what his future is going to be with the Jets. But if you were running a business and you had an employee who, for the better part of two years, hasn't been able to come to work, hasn't been able to do his job for at least what you hired him to do, are you putting any faith in this guy to some as somebody that you could count on moving forward after that point? Or are you going to maybe look to find somebody else who could do the job? The old saying, best ability is availability. I think that that's Mekhi Becton to a point, unfortunately. It stinks. Because you know the guy's pretty good when he plays, pretty dominant when he plays. But if you can't stay out on the field, you're not doing the team any good. You're not doing anybody any good. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Jets and talking about the Zach Wilson situation. And, you know, so much, as we said, for what they do this year is going to be predicated on whether or not he's the guy and whether or not he takes those necessary steps and, you know, is going to be able to fulfill being the second pick in the draft. It's one thing to say, oh, well, you know what? You got a lot of personnel. You got some weapons, tight ends, receivers, backs. Just put the ball in their hands. Let them do all the damage. Well, okay, great. But then why did you take this guy second overall in the draft? Because you ask anybody there, you ask any, you know, Joe Douglas, anybody with the Jets or any team, 
any guy who runs any team and you take a quarterback second overall, you draft him there to win games for you. To be the guy that can put a team on his shoulders and go out there and make plays with his arm, not distribute the ball, manage the game. That's not what this whole thing is about. I know the way this offense is structured that maybe it's tailored towards the quarterback just distributing the football, not being asked to do too much, but you don't take a guy second in the draft for that. Former Jet, Keyshawn Johnson, now, of course, one-third of KJM, heard on the mornings here on 98.7 ESPN. He was on the other day and said, you know what? He thinks the Jets got it wrong with Zach Wilson. I didn't see the number two pick. I just didn't see it. I don't know what Robert Sala and Joe Douglas saw, but what I saw, it did not warrant the number two pick of the draft, especially when you had all those other quarterbacks that they could have very easily taken a Justin Fields with no problem at all. No blink. I didn't see it. The Jets got it wrong. Well, so far they've gotten it wrong. They got it wrong. They got got it wrong. My eyes telling me that when I look at Mac Jones' college film, Justin Fields' college film, Zach Wilson's college film doesn't stand with theirs. Yeah. It has no legs to stand on. Are we really playing the revisionist history thing with the draft again? Right? I, I mean, I thought we were done with that. Because not for, I mean, not for nothing. I mean, if you want to say what these other guys have, and use it by comparison, what these other guys have done in their NFL careers, that's one thing. But what has Justin Fields done in the NFL? What did Justin Fields do with the Chicago Bears? And I got news for everybody out there that's a big Justin Fields fan. I wouldn't maybe uh, not exactly go all in on him with this current regime and the current state of affairs in Chicago. Because to be quite honest with you, I don't know if the Bears exactly have any idea as to what the hell that they should be doing. And more importantly, what they should do to support a young, developing franchise quarterback. Because I don't think they're surrounding him with a lot to work with. So I'd be a little hesitant to go all in on Justin Fields, at least for the time being, with the Chicago Bears. Mac Jones, look, it's easy to jump on the Mac Jones bandwagon, right? Because he went to New England last year. He won double-digit games. Got the greatest coach in Bill Belichick. Let's see how Mac Jones' career develops. But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to sit here and write Zach Wilson off after one season, which, by the way, finished better than it began, if that stands for anything. And now he's hit a little bit of a speed bump in year number two because of the knee injury. And you hope it's not anything too serious. But I understand, like, you know, everybody wants to, you know, have the final verdict on somebody after just one game, one year, one show, one at bat, one whatever. It's a process. You know how many guys are right now, like, in the Hall of Fame? I mean, you know, remember Phil Simms? Phil Simms turned out okay, didn't he? Turned out pretty good. Phil Simms was crucified by the fans here in his first few seasons with the Giants. Couldn't stay healthy. Losing his job to guys like Scott Bruner, for example. And how did things end up for Phil? Super Bowl MVP, retired number, giant legend, on and on and on and on and on. Sometimes it clicks sooner for players than others. You know, right place, right time. That has a lot to do with it as well. And when you're taking first overall, second overall, especially as a quarterback, you know what happens? You go to a bad team. Like, that's how this thing works. Trevor Lawrence got picked first by the Jaguars because they stink. Zach Wilson got picked second by the Jets because they weren't good. And it's not supposed to be easy to turn things around because, generally speaking, 
you're going to have to work through the doldrums. And the team's going to have to get better around you. Mac Jones went into somewhat of a ready-made situation with the New England Patriots. You know, the Patriots spent about 18 gazillion dollars on free agents last offseason to try to better that roster. After they swung and missed after Brady left the year before. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. As far as the Giants are concerned, I don't know if you really draw any conclusions from that game the other night because the minute you want to and the minute you want to get any sort of an honest evaluation of any of the players or any of the units or or things like that, you remember that, oh, yeah, the Patriots weren't playing anybody, were they? Right? Patriots weren't playing any starters in that game. And that's really the crappy part about preseason. I'll be the first one to admit it. You know, it's changed over the years. You know, you used to almost look forward to preseason games because the regulars took the field. The regulars actually got some playing time, played some meaningful minutes on both sides. But now it's like, forget about it. You know, I saw something today already that, you know, the Giants are playing Cincinnati in their next game. And Zach Taylor, who's the coach of the Bengals, because they're playing Cincinnati on Sunday, Zach Taylor said that none of the starters are going to play. Okay, that's great. And I can't say that he's wrong because why would you want any of your players to get injured in an exhibition? But if you're the Giants and you're Brian Dayball and you're trying to make some evaluations of some of these players into, you know, most importantly, the quarterback and to see what he's got, you want all the reps you could possibly get. And these aren't going to be meaningful because they're going to be against second and third teamers. I know that Daniel Jones, I guess, had a couple of rough days of practice here over the last couple of days. Oh, well, you know, you'd like for him to do better. But are we going to sit here and say automatically that Daniel Jones is going to have a bad year because he had a couple of bad practice days? It, it, it really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. The final chapter of the book is going to be written on Daniel Jones or anybody on this Giants roster once we start to play some real games here. You know, when I look at how guys fared, at least moving, you know, I look at, you know, Saquon Barkley, I thought, moved around pretty good last Thursday night. That's an encouraging sign. Because if Saquon Barkley is going to be able to salvage anything of his Giants career, which right now is, believe it or not, year number five, if you could believe it. You know, is he going to be able to get at least some of that explosive, you know, explosive elements to his game that he showed you as a rookie? And we really haven't seen since 2018. But I thought he did a nice job moving around. He had a nice catch out of the backfield, turned the corner, showed you some nice burst up the field. All right, he's moving around all right. He's in good shape. But can he stay that way for 17 games? Is that feasible? Is that something that can be salvaged? I don't know. And it's unfortunate. Again, you're going to go out there next week and see no starters against the Bengals. And then that Jet Giant preseason game to close out the month of August how many ones are going to play from either side in that one? Probably not many, because if you want to use last year's third preseason game as a little bit of a basis, nobody played in those games. Nobody did. Pretty soon, guys, let's face it. There's only going to be two preseason games, and there's going to be 18 regular season games. And I think we're well past that point. Probably how it should be. Theo's and Beth Page, up next. Here on 98.7 ESPN. Theo, what's going on? 
Hey, Dan, thanks a lot for taking my call. Um, What's up, Theo? Uh, you know what? First of all, is this really your first show? Well, the first one of our permanent slot, yeah. Hey, that's great news, man. Congratulations. I like the show already. Appreciate you. Let me ask you a question. Uh, um, and I'm a Jets fan. Uh, I didn't get to watch the game, uh, the first preseason, preseason game. But I understand that uh, a gentleman, I think, named Max Mitchell was protecting the blind side. Well, he was playing right tackle. Who? He was playing right tackle, not the blind side. And Ma- Max Mitchell, of course, he was a draft choice this year. I think he was a fifth rounder, if I'm not mistaken. But because of the injuries yeah. and George Fant wasn't playing at all the other night, they wanted to give the kid a look, and he got the start there at right tackle. And, look, he's going to have to learn. He's not the answer this year, Theo, but yeah. they hope yeah. you, know, you draft the guy that maybe he develops into a starter for you in maybe year two, year three. No, but I'm, my point is mm-hmm. – you have your – this is the first game of the season. You don't have your starting right tackle. You have an unproven commodity blocking your most valuable commodity in the first preseason game. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, wouldn't it have made more sense to sit Zach Wilson to the second game until they can get a little bit better protection for him? You know, I mean – uh, this is uh, a, a big bump in the road. You know what I'm but, the, but Theo, you know what the problem with that is, though? And I thank you for the phone call. You get back to us. The problem with that is, is that you can't automatically assume that you're going to have your starting offensive line even in for the second game. I don't even know how much the starters are going to play uh, Monday night, a week from tonight, which is that next preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons, which you'll hear here on 98.7 ESPN, beginning at 7 o'clock, the pregame show, because that's a national TV game. It's ESPN, so it's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Greg and I come on with the pregame at 7. Um, Connor McDermott is injured. One of their backup tackles. Chuma Doga had to play left tackle to start the game on Friday night. George Fant didn't play on Friday. So they put Max Mitchell in there at right tackle. And ironically enough, the play that Zach Wilson ended up getting injured on, he got flushed from the pocket because Max Mitchell's guy beat him and that forced Zach out of the pocket, and that's why he had to scamper, and he messed up the knee. But he still should have went out of bounds. You know, that, that, that doesn't change the fact whether he had to scamper or not. He still should have went out of bounds because it's the preseason. Not worth the risk. Right? And who knows, even if he didn't dive or slide or whatever, go down himself, what if he took a hit in the open field? You don't want that to happen in the preseason. It's not worth it. I know it's a contact sport. It's football, but not in an exhibition game. And the coach has made sure to drill that into his head for the next time this happens. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> so baseball, I mean, we're getting a little bit closer, right? So we can look ahead. And they finally announced the postseason schedule for the month of October and how things are going to look. And remember, you have a new playoff format this year with the extra wild card in both the American League and the National League. So the way the, Man- the, the Mets and Yankees figure to slot into things they're both going to be in a position where they'll be one of the top two seeds right in the American League in the NL so for all intents and purposes they're going to begin the postseason on October the 11th regular season ends on October 5th that's when they're going to have the wild card series which you figure the Mets and the Yankees aren't going to be a part of then you move on to the division series and those begin on October the 11th both the NL and the AL on the same day. So circle that. It's a Tuesday that that's probably when the Mets and Yanks are going to begin their uh, World Series quests. The League Championship Series will begin National League Tuesday, October the 18th. 
One day later for the American League, that's Wednesday, October 19th. And then the World Series, how about this? The World Series this year is going to begin on October the 28th. That's a Friday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, wow, no off day. Oh, there is, okay, they have travel days built in. I was just looking at the dates. Okay, they have, of course, you have to have the travel days. Friday, October 28th, the World Series is going to begin. And if it goes seven games, you talk about late, you talk about Mr. November, Saturday, November 5th is going to be game seven of the World Series should it go that far. But you know what? That's the least of your concerns. If you're a Mets fan or a Yankee fan, you want it to go that far, and you want your team to be playing into the month of November. Let's say hi to Nick in Binghamton. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Nick? Hi. Um, I was just wanting to comment on um, uh, the Flacco. Uh, mm-hmm. um, see, I, I, I agree with you about he, he's basically immobile. I mean, I know what he was. I know what kind of Baltimore team he had going into the Super Bowl, too. I've been in New York Jet my whole life. Well, fan, but you know how we talk. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather see, see, if, if, if say Zach had a couple of bad games, um, I mean, Mike White had a couple of bad games, too. But I'd rather much see Mike White. That's You'd rather me. see Mike oh, White over Joe Flacco? Him, You'd rather see Mike White over Joe Flacco? Does Denzel Mims even considered? All right, Nick. Uh, thanks for the phone call. You got you got to turn that radio down next time you call in. All right, because then you're hearing the radio. I'm trying to talk to you over the phone and back and forth, and it just doesn't make for a good two way conversation. Radio off next time. But um, I think Flacco's got to be the guy. You know, look, I love Mike White. You know, Mike White's a guy who um, people in that locker room think the world of. I know that for a fact. People in that locker room, though, respect Joe Flacco, too. You know, how do you not respect a Super Bowl MVP? You know, the guy was on top of the football world once upon a time. It was 10 years ago, but still. And he could still throw a good football. See, Mike White, he had his coming out party against the Bengals on Halloween. And then he got injured. But then he came back and he had that game against the Buffalo Bills, and it didn't go very well. You know, I'm sure he'd like to have it back, but I think it was that game that kind of you know, told the hierarchy of the Jets saying, all right, maybe we need to look at another direction. And what happened? Then Flacco ended up starting a game against the Miami Dolphins. You know, it's not that Joe has played bad whenever he's gotten an opportunity over the last couple of years, but the problem is, is he hasn't won. And the name of the game is winning. Like Joe Flacco, as a starting quarterback, hasn't won a game since 2019. Back when he was still with the Denver Broncos. I mean, that, that, that's a long time in between drinks. And the objective is to win the game. I mean, it's not to go out there and throw for, you know, three, 400 yards or four or five times. You got to win the game. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if, you know, you make a few mistakes. If you're not lighting up the fantasy stats board or whatever, you got to win. And that's what the Jets are hoping that that guy, and in this case, Flacco, gives them the best opportunity to do. Otherwise, why do you have him here? Remember, they got rid of him and then brought him back and then made it a point of emphasis during the offseason to re-sign him. Because they felt that in a pinch, that if Zach Wilson had to miss at least a short period of time, that Flacco could step in there and at least keep this ship afloat. And looks like he's going to get his chance. You know, we'll see tomorrow. He's going to go out there to L.A., he's going to have the surgery, and then you're going to get at least a little bit better of an idea as to how long he's going to be out of the mix. I say, just conservatively, you probably look at a couple of games. 
just a couple of games. Mets and Braves are going to resume 9-10, so about 10 minutes from now. They'll pick this thing up. The rain has stopped. They've got the field ready to rock and roll here, and we'll proceed from there. 